0: Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Awesome. Well, this morning I have the honor of preaching and teaching about the very first evangelistic message after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. For the last two weeks, Pastor Lyle has been talking about what I like to call the big party. The big party. But how many of y'all know that any great party has an after party? You know what I'm saying? You might need to go back to your BC days to be able to remember that. But every great party has an after party, amen? Amen. This passage passage is especially, um, you know, special to me because for five plus years, I heard my dad preach every Sunday on this very scripture, Acts 2, verse 14 to 21. So go ahead and stand up all across the room. We're going to read the word of God. How many of you love the word of God? Mm. I love the word of God. Scripture is so clear that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So let's read Acts 2, verse 14 to 21. If you're there, just holler at me real quick. Amen. Let's read together on three. One, two, three. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel, that in the last days it shall be, God declares. How many of you know that when God declares? declares something it will be established and in the last days it shall be God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams even on my male servants and even on my female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes. The great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The title of my message this morning is opportunity in the outpouring opportunity in the outpouring David pointed at me just like ooh hallelujah look at your neighbor if you don't mind and say neighbor there's an opportunity in the outpouring look at your other neighbor and say neighbor there's an opportunity In the outpouring. Holy Spirit, would you come and breathe on your word today? Holy Spirit, I'm I'm asking that you would take these lips of clay and that you would use them for your glory. Give me the tongue of a ready rider to be able to hear and say that which you want to say to the church today. Father God, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would make us ready for the outpouring that is getting ready to happen in this house. God, we're so encouraged by what we're seeing all across the nation and even in Kentucky, Father God, where you're pouring out your presence, Lord. We say yes and we say amen and we say thank you for the outpouring. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated. On October 28, 2002, American rapper Marshall Mathers, a.k.a. Eminem, a.k.a. Freaky, freaky Slim Shady, released a song called Lose Yourself. Now, listen, I'm not advising that you go home and you listen to the song in its totality. I'm not advising that. But the essence of the song was about seizing opportunities while they're available to you. My favorite part of the song was the chorus and the chorus says, you better lose yourself in the music the moment you own it. You better never let it go. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a, oh my gosh. (laughs) Y'all know that song? Sing with me. You better lose yourself in the music the moment you want it. You better never let it go. You only get one shot with your chance to blow. This opportunity was in a lifetime. I feel like this song honestly would have been the perfect background music for Peter on the day of Pentecost. You know what I'm saying? Like, dun, 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 dun. Ladies and gentlemen, listen up. We are not drunk because you, you know what I'm saying. You, you catch my dream. <laughs> hey, listen, I love the concept of opportunity. I always have loved the concept of opportunity. I think it's because I love sports. And I love watching people go head to head. Both have had the opportunity to prepare and are now vying for the chance to be the champion. Equal opportunity like we saw last week in the Super Bowl, the Chiefs versus the Eagles. What a game that was, right? Two equally, equally matched uh, opponents and literally the margin of error being so razor thin whether you're going to be the champion or not. And unfortunately, I love Jalen Hurts, but the ball slipped out of his hands. They lost by three points, and as a result of that mistake, the opportunities were squandered because they gave up seven points, right? Now, the concept of opportunity, I'm sorry for all the people who don't love sports, it's okay. The concept of opportunity obviously doesn't just apply to sports. It exists in every area of life, but the essence of it stays the same, amen? Amen. Here's a couple things about a couple important things about opportunity. The first thing is this opportunity is conditional. The whole concept of opportunity rests on the on the tenet that it's not certain that the expected outcome will manifest unless a set set of circumstances comes into proper alignment. Opportunity is not is conditional. The second thing is this opportunity is seized or squandered. There's not much gray area in it. We either seize opportunity or we squander opportunity. The third thing is this, opportunity's best friend is preparation. Now listen, there's few things that are, there's few things that are worse than having an opportunity presented to you and you not being able to seize the opportunity because you're not ready. It hurts, and I've been there. The last thing is this, opportunities don't last a lifetime. Leonard Ravenhill, the famous evangelist said that, the opportunity of a lifetime needs to be seized during the lifetime of the opportunity. Opportunities do not last a lifetime. So it's incumbent upon us while the opportunity is available to us to seize it. Amen? Like in my life, I've, like I said just a couple minutes ago, is I've been blessed with amazing opportunities. Some of the opportunities I was able to seize and steward, and some of them I squandered. Right? And I believe in my heart that for the next however many years the Lord was preparing me for another moment where I'd have the opportunity on a national stage to sing Jesus loves me and to declare his glory in the earth. There was an opportunity made available in that morning. And as I was studying this past week and just looking at the text that we just read, I couldn't help but think uh, uh, who, who has ever had a bigger opportunity than the one that Peter was presented with on the day of Pentecost. This was a big opportunity for Peter. And so today what I want to do for the next few moments is I want to do a summarization of sorts. And I want to take us back to Acts 1 and into Acts 2. And I want to, I want to sum up and, and, and really highlight and give context to the magnitude of the moment and the opportunity that was presented to Peter on the day of Pentecost. Is that okay? Is that okay, church? Are you ready for this? So we begin in Acts 1. Jesus has been walking with the disciples for 40 days after his resurrection, right? And scripture says that he was doing two things. Number one, he was proving to them that he was alive. I can just see it. Every, every couple days, a disciple just staring at Jesus like, is that really you and him being like, yes, it's me. <laughs> and the second thing he was doing was this. He was teaching them about the kingdom of God. Then, as they're on the Mount of Olivet and Jesus is getting ready to to ascend into heaven, his disciples ask him one final question. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, when I read this, it was a little funny to me. Because I was like, if there's anything that you could say to Jesus before he leaves earth, It had to be this question. I don't know about me. I would have been like, Jesus, I love you. I'm going to miss you. But they ask him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? This is actually not a far fetched question for them because they were a people who had their kingdom snatched away from them and were put into slavery multiple times throughout their history. And so they had been expecting, hold on, Messiah, you're leaving, but wait, where's the kingdom? Where's the kingdom? Oh, what, what this ultimately did is it, it, it exposed the fact that they still hadn't seen what they were expecting to see. They had seen miracles, signs, and wonders. They had seen Jesus turn two fish and five loaves of bread into and feed a multitude of people. Then they saw him beaten, bruised, placed on a cross. Take, he died, taken down, put into a tomb, and three days later, he got up. And still they needed to know when's the kingdom coming. What they wanted to see was a political and a territorial kingdom. They wanted to see something they could touch with their hands. And Jesus replies to them, you know what? Listen, it is not for you to know the time or season. But you will receive power. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost bounds of the earth. What Jesus essentially says to them is, you're looking for a physical kingdom? Nah, I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to place the kingdom inside of you. I'm going to place the kingdom inside of you, and you're going to be walking, talking, representation of the kingdom that I'm building here on the earth. (laughs) So we fast forward 10 days or so, right, right? And within this time, the disciples have come down from the Mount of Olivet into an upper room in the city of Jerusalem to do what Jesus had told them to do. Wait for the promise of the Father. But simultaneously, there's a whole other storyline taking place outside of the upper room. I love this so much. Simultaneously, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Jews from all across the world are gathering in the city of Jerusalem for the celebration of Pentecost. Now, for most of us, we're most acquainted with Pentecost from the perspective of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right? But before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, Pentecost was more notably associated as one of the three major Jewish festivals. It was celebrated 50 days after the Passover. What happened on the Passover? The crucifixion of Jesus. So let me set the scene in the city for you real quick. Is that okay? There was a hustle and a bustle. There was a hustle and a bustle in the city as a result of everybody coming into the city for the festival of Pentecost, right? The city was alive. People from every nation, scripture says, under heaven were coming into Jerusalem. And you know, if you know anything about Jewish people, you know that they know how to party. I mean, the wine was probably flowing all week long. The food was just delicious, they were full, but they didn't know that they were about to be filled. Ha. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The Enduring Word commentary says that it was the best attended of the, fe- of the great feasts because traveling conditions were at their best. There was, a never, co- there was never, more, uh, never a more cosmopolitan, meaning more of a diverse festival than this one. I got a revelation as I was reading it this past week. Wow, we have a very intentional God. Most of us focus on the fact that there were 120 in the room, but little do we understand and know that God was gathering his people for something greater than a party. They came to party, little did they know that the history was getting ready to change Forever. For so the day of Pentecost arrives and the spirit of the living God descends upon the 120 followers of Jesus who were in the room that day. Important to note this, the disciples and followers of Jesus Christ were not unfamiliar with the Holy Spirit. They were not unfamiliar with him. They had seen him in operation through Jesus. They had read about him in operation through the prophets of old. And even experienced him in operation through their own lives at at moments during their ministry with Jesus. They were not unfamiliar with the Holy Spirit, but something was different about this day. Before this day, the Holy Spirit came upon people. In certain moments, at certain times, in certain measures... But on this day, all reservation was removed, hallelujah, and the Holy Spirit not only came upon them, but he came to dwell in them. Hallelujah. This day was also different because there was evidence. There was an evidence that they had never experienced before, and the evidence was that they began to speak in tongues. Now, as this scene is unfolding inside the house, outside the house, something else is going on. You remember those thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Jews? They're hearing an unexplainable sound that is coming from a a random room in the city. And so they're gathering around this room to see what in the world is going on. Scripture says that they were bewildered. Has anybody been bewildered? (laughs) They were bewildered. Now, I think this is important for us to talk about. Has anybody ever wondered how intense this sound must have been? There was no amplification during this time. It makes sense for our neighbors to come and see what's going on because we got this loud sound system. But there was no amplification system in this day. Think about how intense the sound was. Now let me ask another question. Has anybody ever had an encounter with the Holy Spirit? Let me see your hand if you've had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but any that I have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, it takes me a couple minutes to come back. It takes me a couple minutes to come back. So I could only imagine. Sorry, are are you on this journey with me seeing this? I've been living in 30 AD for the last week. (laughs) Think about the chaos that the the disciples walk out to. (laughs) You've got thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people who are like, what in the world is going on? And they're walking out probably like, Jesus, that was something. <laughs> you know, we ain't never experienced that before. <laughs> I, I, as I was, as I was uh, thinking about this, I just saw Mary, the mother of Jesus, walking out. Her hair just a mess. Just like a, a hot mess, usually composed. But her hair just everywhere. <laughs> all the other ladies, too. Their hair just everywhere. Just like. <laughs> Not only that, but they were probably a sweaty, gross mess. They have been in the upper room for 10 days. I hope they took showers. I hope they took turns, like tagged each other out to go take shower. <laughs> and so they walk outside and they see a crowd of thousands and thousands and thousands of people, and there's two responses from these thousands and thousands and thousands of people. One is people are amazed because they're like, hold up, hold up. Somehow, some way, they're speaking my language. Then you have another group of people who have another suggestion. They're like, nah, bro. They're drunk. (laughs) And that's when Peter is presented with an opportunity. I can just see it. The soundtrack to Lose Yourself starts, his palms get sweaty, and you know that feeling you get when the Holy Spirit is about to have you do something crazy, Todd knows exactly what I'm talking about, you get that feeling, I, I know, this is, this is when it's for Todd, it's like, when Todd, like, something's happening whenever Todd, whenever, whenever those fingers get like that, Todd, like, something's, something's happening, and I tune my ear, and I'm like, oh, oh, oh something's about to happen. But that was probably Peter, he was like, oh, wait, um, tell me when to go, God. tell me when to go, you're drunk, oh, no, listen up. We're not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's like, come on, man, you know we party at night. <laughs> come on, y'all. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm silly, I'm sorry. He's like, men and brethren, we are not drunk as you suppose. And then Peter does something brilliant. In college, I was a communication student. I, I, I took a class called argumentation and persuasion. And in that class, class we essentially learned how to make people look wrong in arguments. And, and we learned a number of tactics. But one of the things that we learned is that in order to win an argument, you have to have supporting evidence. Right? So Peter does something brilliant. He proceeds to use the powerful argumentation and persuasion tactic of drawing upon history. He draws upon history and he says, he invokes the words of the prophet Jaw as evidence that what these people are experiencing was foretold far before any of them ever existed. He says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. This statement alone would capture the attention of his Jewish audience. Why? Because the Jews were a longing people. They longed for the words of the prophets to be fulfilled in their lives. So immediately he would have their attention by invoking the words of the prophet Joel. He says that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. What is Peter declaring here? He's declaring that the dam of the Holy Spirit's activity in the earth was open once and for all. Once and for all, the Holy Spirit's activity was introduced into the earth. I heard the Holy Spirit say this past week as I was was preparing, he said it was my inauguration day. It was my inauguration day. And as a result of this inaugural outpouring, Peter then begins to to get specific about the activity that they will begin to see. He says, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. What is Peter declaring here? He's declaring that that which was reserved for the old, prophesying and seeing visions, you will now see the young do as a result of this outpouring. Inversely, that which was reserved for the young to do, dreaming dreams, you will now see old men do. AKA, age is not a factor in who is eligible to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which is why we are so vehemently praying and asking God to touch our babies down below. And then he goes on to say, even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. What in the world is Peter declaring here? He's declaring that this outpouring is for everybody. Your societal and economic status doesn't matter. Your background doesn't matter. Your gender doesn't matter. The outpouring is for free men and it's for the slave. This outpouring is for everybody. Everybody. Then he declares, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. What is Peter declaring here? He's declaring that you are getting ready to see an increase in the supernatural activity of the Holy Spirit in the earth. And it will all be pointing towards the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then he finishes off by saying this portion of his message. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What is Peter declaring here? He's declaring that there's only one prerequisite to fully partaking in the outpouring. You must call upon the name of the Lord. You must be saved. And it still stands today. If you want to partake in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in its fullness, you must be saved. And today we'll give you the opportunity to get saved. Salvation is and will always be a major identifier of any outpouring that we see in the earth. Now I'm going to turn a corner a little bit and we're going to focus on Peter now. Because I think when we read stories like this that, uh, stories like this or we recount of outpourings of old, it can be hard to see ourselves in these people. Because it's like, you know, Peter didn't have to wake up in the middle of the night to breastfeed his baby. Peter didn't have to change a poopy diaper. Peter didn't have to work, at work a nine to five that he absolutely positively hates. He didn't have to do any of those things. So we essentially disqualify ourselves from being used by, by God in this manner. But as I was studying this past week, I just became more and more convinced that all Peter really did on that day was avail himself. He availed himself to an opportunity that God was placing before him. Peter was ready for the opportunity to be part of the fulfillment of centuries old, of a century old prophetic word. He was ready for the opportunity to proclaim the gospel to the Jewish people. And he was ready for the opportunity to preach the inaugural message of the church of Jesus Christ. You know, if there's any concern that I have about the outpouring that is coming and that is here in the earth. It's not that it's not will God move. Like, I'm not worried about God moving. I'm more worried about will his people be ready when he moves? Will his people be ready to seize the opportunities that God presents before us in the middle of outpouring? And listen, this outpouring that's coming won't just be for a service at Legacy Nashville or anywhere else this outpouring that's coming is coming to your nine-to-five job this outpouring that's coming it's coming to your your house it's coming to your address i'm telling you this outpouring that's coming it's coming to chipotle whenever you're whenever you're the person who 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 who, who puts your rice in the bowl is is, is is standing there literally showing you that they're in need of something more and the holy spirit on the inside of you is saying say something You have what they need. If there's three things that I feel enabled Peter to seize the opportunity in the outpouring, it's this. Number one, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. You must be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, a few years back while I was a college student at Oral Roberts University, The Holy Spirit said to me, Brian, the days you are getting ready to walk into, you will not be able to do anything without my presence in your life. You must be filled. You must be filled with the Holy Spirit. You must be filled. It's not optional. It's not conditional. You must be filled with the Holy Spirit. One month before, Peter didn't even have the confidence to, to confess his allegiance to the Lord to a little girl in the temple court. And then the very next month, he's preaching the inaugural message of the church. Why? Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there's a confidence that won't consult your personality. The timid become bold. The weak become strong. Those who can't speak become anointed to declare the word of the Lord. You must be filled with the Holy Spirit. The second thing is this. He had the word of God hidden in his heart. His use of the prophet Joel's prophetic word is proof that Peter had the word of God etched on his heart. We must prepare ourselves to be used by God in the coming outpouring by hiding the word of God in our hearts. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, your word have I what? Hidden in my heart. Joshua 1 verse 8 says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do all that is in it. You got to have the word of God in your heart. This past week, I was reading the American Bible Society's 2022 State of the Bible. And within it, they said that only 10% of Americans report daily Bible reading. We are in a biblical epidemic. People don't love the word of God. And this is the thing. I don't want to be harsh, but I'm just going to say what the Holy Spirit is telling me to say right now. It starts with his church. You got to love the word. You have to eat the scroll. So in moments in the outpouring, whenever he places opportunities before us, we're able to recall and we're able to profess the word. Because why? The word of God is quick and powerful. You think that you're pontificating and that your, your, your beautiful words are going to do something? Well, let me tell you something. Think about what the word of God could do in one moment. It's quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, able to divide spirit and soul. You've got to love the word of God. Do you love the word of God? Or has it become an option in your life whether or not you engage with God's word? Has it just become something that I may do or I may not do? Do you love the word? Hallelujah. Number three, he had been with Jesus. He had been with Jesus. A few chapters later in Acts, in Acts 4 verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were uneducated and common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Do the people in your office know that you've been with Jesus? When you walk and talk and when you do the things that you do throughout the week, do the people who you are around know that you've been with Jesus? Or do you just look like them? Do you talk like them? Do you do the same things that they do in an effort to reach the lost? Uh, oh, 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 do they know that this person has been with Jesus? And the only way to gain that is by being in the secret place with Jesus. It can't be bought. It will not be bought. He had been with Jesus. Let's stand. I feel the tremors of revival and the outpouring of the spirit in my life, the spirit right now. When I was in college at Oral Roberts University, I remember I just began to cry out to God for revival in the land and to see my generation changed for his glory. I've been praying that prayer for the last 10 years and I feel like it's closer than ever before. I feel like it's closer than ever before. I believe that there's a window of opportunity that is getting ready to open up in the spirit and the Holy Spirit is priming and prepping us for an outpouring like we've never seen in our lives before. But the question is, will we avail ourselves to the Holy Spirit? Will we avail him? will we clear the clutter from our lives so that when he opens up opportunities before us, we're available to step in and to seize those opportunities opportunities for his glory now I asked the Holy Spirit last night before I went to bed I asked Holy Spirit how in the world do we respond in this moment and I heard the Holy Spirit say I'm giving an invitation to consecration at the beginning of the year the Lord asked me to do some things that were crazy and I was like, "Lord, why are you asking me to do this?" And He said, "Because this is a, this is I'm ramping up. I'm ramping up the preparation through consecration." I'm ramping up the preparation through consecration. I believe that right now the Holy Spirit, he's putting, He's, 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 he's touching people's heart right now. And, he's, and, and you feel that thing in your stomachs that, that, that the Holy Spirit is asking you to consecrate yourself before him. Now, I don't know what that looks like for you. I know what it looks like for me. I don't need to share it, but the Holy Spirit all across this room is touching hearts. Go ahead and close your eyes all across this room so we can focus. Just focus for the next couple of minutes. If that's you, you feel that thing in your stomach you feel the Holy Spirit drawing you into a greater place of consecration. What are some of the things that might look look like? He may ask you to fast for extended periods of time. He may, he may ask you to stop watching some television show. He may ask you to stop doing a certain behavior that you've just, you have just acclimated yourself to. I don't know what it is. If that's you, just all across the room, just lift your hand. If you feel that, the Holy Spirit is asking you to step into a grace, into a place of greater consecration before him and the reason why is because he's preparing us for the opportunity, opportunities that will arise in the, in the outpouring. If that's you, come on, lift your hands. Lift your hands all across the room. If that's you, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for each and every single person that is represented in this room, Father God. Each person, Lord Jesus, that you're inviting into a greater level of consecration. God, I ask in the name of Jesus that nothing would hinder them, Father God, from stepping into this invitation, from accepting this invitation in the name of Jesus. And Father God, I just know, I know, I know know in my spirit father God that you're preparing us for something father God that's beyond our wildest dreams that's been everything it's not even what we prayed for it's far greater than what we prayed for I ask for this in the name of Jesus thank you for touching hearts father God thank you for touching hearts thank you for touching hearts thank you for touching hearts you can put your hands down continue to keep your eyes closed across this room if you're listening to this message and you're like you know what hey I need to start at step one I need to give my life to the Lord. Or I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. We're going to have our altar ministry team come forward. But if that's you, you're like, hey, Brian, I need to give my life to the Lord today. Would you just be so bold just to raise your hand all across the room? If that's you, if that's you, you need to give your life to the Lord and you need to rededicate your life to the Lord this morning. If you need to give your life to the Lord or you need to rededicate your life, if that's you in this place, Good, it seems like everybody's saved in this place. Praise the Lord. Next week, bring somebody who's not saved. Next week, don't come alone. Don't come alone. I promise the Holy Spirit will open up your eyes to see somebody who needs Jesus, who needs him desperately. Father, I thank you for this word. God, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that it would not have fallen on hard ground. But I'm praying in the name of Jesus that it would have fallen on good ground, Father God. That it would, it would get into our very spirits and that we would never be the same as a result, Father. We pray these all in your precious name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.